the three readings for today all give glimpses into different kinds of communities. In the first reading from Numbers, you hear the Israelites complaining, We're hungry. We used to have fish and cucumbers and melons and leeks and onions and garlic and all kinds of fish. And now look at us. All we have to do, all we have is to, this manna to look at every day. And every once in a while, some quail. So like the whole slavery thing was kind of forgotten. We wish we were back in Egypt. And so God gets angry. But before God can do anything about it, Moses gets angry and talks back to God and says... What did you saddle me with these people for? Did I give birth to them? Am I supposed to hold them in my bosom? They're a pain. And God actually kind of calms down because Moses is so riled up. And so he says, gather 70 elders. We'll put them up in the tent and my spirit will rest on them so that the burden doesn't fall so hard on you. And so that happens and they get the spirit. But the two, two, of my, two of my favorite folks in the Old Testament, Eldad and Medad, the procrastinators, uh, slept in that day. And so they didn't make it up to the tent with the other 68. But they got the spirit where they were and they start kind of preaching and prophesying. And Joshua says, Moses, these two are talking about God and all this stuff. And without your sanction, what's going on? And Moses is like, I wish everybody would do that. Then I wouldn't have to, you know... Priests never feel that way. Just so you know. <laughs> we want to do it all. <laughs> um, and what this, this sort of Old Testament community to me, has, there's a couple of things that might kind of parallel some churches we know. Um, and some we don't. But um, that whole thing about things were so much better in the old days. I can't tell you, I've been in eight churches in ten years and... Invariably, when I arrive at each and every one, I hear about the good old days when the pews were full, the Sunday school was bursting at the seams, youth groups were doing mission trips, and there was so much money and so much. Of course, this was in like 1950 or 60, or for some places in the 1980s. But people remember, and they want to tell that story um, as if there is now scarcity and we're sort of in decline. And to be honest, you know, we've gotten more and more secular in our country and in our world. And so we are in decline in terms of attendance and, and in terms of um, kind of bursting at the seams and abundance. So, you know, I, I can't blame the Israelites. And in some ways, I can't blame, you know, longtime parishioners today who talk about the good old days. Um, but I would argue that these can be the good old days. And um, it's like that Carly Simon song, right? Anticipation. Because these are the good old days. These are the good old days. You too old or too young for that? <laughs> it's right on, right? <laughs> so we had a Habitat for Humanity build yesterday. And, um, you know, it's, it's one example of what I hope will be many of us gathering as a community and going out and doing something that was actually really joyful. Wasn't that fun, Leanne? We had the best time. We were, um, we were helping this guy who has a mobile, mobile, park, mobile home in a park, mobile park, 
It's really nice, actually. But he needed his house painted on the outside, and he couldn't afford the paint. And he had actually been working with the mobile park folks and Habitat for over a year to try to get this project going. And so there we show up, 13 of us and um, our motley crew. And it was this wonderful thing for us as well, because Rick kept walking around saying, bless you, bless you. And at the end, he thanked us and said what a blessing we were to him. And this is what I mean about abundance and thriving and community. Yeah, we don't have the pews filled. Yeah, it's not the good old days, but we can, we can create good days together now without having to look back and wonder and worry about will it ever be that way again. Um, I think um, part of the key to that lies in what God does with Moses. He gets other people together who can become leaders and help Moses out. This is my pitch. <laughs> you know, we all have gifts inside us, and the Spirit is waiting to be born. And I am actually a little burned out. There's a lot going on in these six, seven weeks, uh, last couple and the ones coming up, and that's wonderful. To me, those are signs of abundance in life. Um, but it couldn't happen if we didn't have all the folks who showed up yesterday. We had so many volunteers. We had to turn some people away. Thank you for understanding. And um, that was kind of crazy. You know, we didn't expect that. We'd hoped to have 8 or 10, and we had 17, and we could only take 13, and they let us have 14. So um, it's joyful, and it can be abundant, depending on how you look at it. But part of it is people step up, and they make it joyful and abundant. And I am grateful that we have people like that in this parish, because we do. Um, we're not sort of, I don't know, dying, as some people might think or feel. Uh, we are thriving in our own way and we will continue to thrive. And if you've ever had an urge or an inkling to step up and do something or volunteer for something or increase your pledge because it's stewardship season, um, now's the time to think about it. You know, we, we've got so many wonderful plans for 2019, we don't even know yet. And um, it's a good time to do that. And think about... You know, what does Moses say at the end? Would that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit on them. That would be my wish for us here. So that's one of the glimpses into community, faith community that we hear in the readings today. <laughs> El dad and me dad. I like those two. So um, in the gospel according to Mark, the disciples are upset because they come up to Jesus and they're like, teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name and we tried to stop him because he's not one of us. It's just like Joshua with Eldad and Medad. What right does he have doing that? And Jesus is like, let him. You know, if he's doing good deeds in my name, pretty soon he really won't be able to say a bad thing about me. He will have my spirit upon him. You know, I think there are still strains of um, Christianity and Episcopalians who feel like really the only way to salvation is through, well, the Episcopal Church, let's be honest. <laughs> but that's not true. Um, let's see, let me say the non-heretical thing first. Uh, all who believe in Christ are saved. <laughs> and then the heretical thing. I, maybe not the Episcopal Church, maybe not all the other clergy here, I happen to believe that God is actually larger than Christianity. And for us to decide that God is in the Christianity box and that's all there is, that's the only path. Now, we've been told that in the Bible and in other places, 
But I, I think God is actually more abundant than that. I think that Jews and Muslims and ooh, atheists uh, might have some wisdom to impart when they, um, you know, when they share in community. There are people you all know who are not churchgoers or believers who do wonderful things for other people selflessly. And there are wonderful Christian churchgoers you know that do very little for others uh, selflessly. And um, I don't think, although you should come to church every Sunday, I don't think it comes down to whether you come to church every Sunday. So the reading from Mark, although it wasn't intended this way, I think um, speaks to that, that largeness of God's existence. And let's not put on the blinders and think that only this way is the right way. I, I mean, I think most of you are like that. Um, if it helps you, it helps me to kind of think of Christ as my, as my Savior, as God. That gives me a lot of comfort and it gives me a kind of a focus and a direction. And so, but let's not forget that there are paths to God that we, we don't even know about. God's mysterious and we don't get to fathom God on our own. So, if you see someone casting out demons in Jesus' name, pat her on the back and say, you go, girl. Good? Okay. That's the second kind of glimpse into community we see in the readings. And then the third one is from James, and that's where I'll stop. So you may remember James from the last three or four weeks, and he is no subtle unicorn. He is... Um, he is riling and railing against everybody, saying, you hypocrites and the things you do and you think you're good? Faith without works is dead. That's kind of the big phrase from James. If you think you're good because you're just standing around saying, I believe, you don't do nothing about it, what good are you? Is He literally says. So after four chapters of an epistle where he's railing against everybody, suddenly this is the very end of his letter, and he lands on love, which is so funny because... You know, while I think there's a lot of wisdom in what he said before in those previous four chapters, when he gets to this, suddenly he's a sweetheart. He's like, anybody suffering, then pray. If you're cheerful, sing a song. You know, we all could use it in community. Is anybody sick? Call the elders and have them pray over you and anoint you. Help each other out. If there's someone who's sinning and has gone astray, bring him back. That's going to be such a blessing for you if you help someone out. And so it's funny that the very last words of this kind of railing guy from the mountaintop are, whoever brings back a sinner from wandering will save the sinner's soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Be sweet with each other. Be kind to each other. Help each other out. It's hard for me too. I get annoyed. You all aren't, you know, what, what did Moses say? <laughs> And, and I'm kind of a, I can be a dork sometimes too, but we're in this together and what's going to make community work is when we lovingly challenge one another and challengingly love one another. And by that I mean it's not easy to love one another and it's not easy to challenge one another. But we remember that the bottom line, as James says, in any community is love and regard. Even someone who's annoying you, you pray for them and you hold their hand and you smile and look them in the face and say, hey, how you doing? So those are different glimpses of community that we see in the readings today. 
Make of them what you will. But my prayer certainly is that we be less like the good old days Israelites and more like the loving and kind and forgiving community that James was writing to. So bless you all. And I, for one, am grateful and pleased to be with you in this place. Amen. Amen.